Welcome to Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Welcome to our last episode of Hallmarked Up for season four. We wanted to do a bit of a recap of the season and go through what we watched and see if we can come up with some kind of ranking, we think. Right, Mary? Yeah. For how they did this year, which we kind of agree was a little bit better than normal. But I am wondering if we could have watched some other ones that might have been even better still, I have to admit. And then I made some notes about some other movies I watched that were a bit outside of the Hallmark realm that are I thought were worth mentioning as well for good and bad reasons. All right, cool. I mean, yeah, I think it bears stating early, as you did, Sarah, that there were definitely some better than average movies this year. Though, like, looking back at what we watched, like looking back at all of them together, you know, my instinct was like, oh, this is a better than average season. But now looking back at all of them, I don't know if it was a better than average season overall or if it, there were just a few standouts. I know? know. I would agree with that. Because when I typed out the list, I was like, oh, that one was crap. That one wasn't very good. But there were some very good ones. So the first one we watched was We Wish You a Married Christmas with Christopher Plaha, of course. So and we thought that was actually a really good first go for the October premiere. Although, as I recall, as we were discussing that one, we actually realized that on the level of plot and writing, it still sucked. We just enjoyed watching it more because there was Palaha. That's true. We did. We liked it because there was Palaha, for sure. It was a good starter, but we did end up with some better movies in the season, I would say, than that. Delighted to hear that the first 2023 movie in production (gasps) stars Palaha. Yes, and then it's going to be at Biltmore, which is one of my favorite places in Asheville, North Carolina. And in fact, Bettina just sent me a link, Mary, that was like, they're looking for extras. Oh, oh. (laughs) And you can like apply to be an extra in the movie. And I was like, Um, what? I think that you should do that because I think if you do, you will fall in love. Oh, of course I will fall in love. Is Palaha married? Yes, he has three kids, in fact. But I don't think Tyler Hines is. And Bettina and I were having a debate about this just the other day. Oh, is he in the movie too? No, he's not. But, you know, our second favorite guy. So, but I think you will fall in love if you are in this movie. So maybe this is how we can conclude our episode is that we can come up with a possibility for. For um, what my movie might be. Your movie might be when you fall in love. I know the second movie we watched was a cozy Christmas Inn, and this This was was... like the sequel to one that Candace Cameron Bray was in, and she was replaced by Jodie Sweetin, which I I love the irony there. I do too. However, it was bad. (laughs) Worst of the season. I I would agree, and and we were trying to figure out. I remember that we were like, how are they going to have a movie called a cozy Christmas Inn when we just had a movie about a cozy Christmas Inn? when we watched We Wish You a Married Christmas, but it was crap. But it wasn't just the repetition of the intro. Everything about this movie was a fail, except for the fact that they replaced CCB. I like that they replaced CCB yeah, in Rotor Office. Think that was that was fun. But everything about this was a fail. The writing was bad. The acting was bad. I'm sorry, Jodie Sweetin. She, you know, looked like a puppet. She was dead inside as she was, <laughs> as she was acting in this movie. And she wasn't it, dead. I agree. She wasn't nothing dead. about it worked, except for our rewrite. I actually, this might have been one of my favorite rewrites of the season. As you recall, we made it a horror film, and I think oh, we worked. did, we did. That was great. It was much better because they were at an inn after all, and there's no place better for a horror movie than at some crazy hotel. 
also this aired before halloween so oh that's true or did so then we watched lights camera christmas which is about a christmas movie coming to town i don't know this was also extremely bad yeah not my favorite and then it had kimberly stewstead or whatever her name is and the king of christmas was his character but i don't know it was not very good but it was i thought the concept could have been fun because oh, they I were agree. kind of making fun of themselves in some ways but with, like with an ounce of self-awareness it could have been good and that's what we should do with your movie about your time starring as an extra starring as an extra i know whatever starring as an extra in a biltmore christmas it should that's be right. a slightly more tongue-in-cheek for sure for sure so then we watched our Italian Christmas memories over on the the other channel, the Miracles of Christmas or whatever. And this was a bit more of a like touching story. What did you think of this one, Mary, being that you have Italian Christmases? Oh, I mean, Bo Bridges was good. Oh, he was good. <laughs> but that was about it. Yeah, it was weak. And this thing that I that stands out to me about this movie, the thing that I can't get over about this movie was the romantic exotic adjunct lifestyle oh yes 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 of course and how how easy it was for her to just do what she wanted to do this really like detached from reality world they live in in which being an adjunct is a desirable and enviable occupation yes and it was great to have your friends who are not only italian well one of them uh but also adjuncts weigh in on that and it was fun oh they're not adjuncts they're but they're also but academics. They are academics. That's right. Yeah. I didn't know what they were, but, but but they had a comment on that for sure. Yeah. So then I think we watched what was by far my favorite movie this season, Three Wise Men and a Baby. It was definitely better than average. It was not my favorite this season. And I still think it looked so good, mostly by comparison, if that makes sense, right. because it suffered from unoriginality as many hallmark movies do but compared to other hallmark movies it looked downright original well and i i I still think that the the falling in love thing was so unnecessary for all of them (laughs) like the story was actually should have been about the brothers and you know well i think the story was about the brothers but i still thought it was pretty unoriginal and well i mean obviously it was a ripoff of three men and the baby it was destined to be unoriginal but like if you're going to you know remake something like that at least have a spin on it that makes it worth doing and they, oh, they will surely have a sequel to this because it was so popular or at least a way to put more than one hallmark man in a movie because that was what everybody read lots about is that there were like three hallmark men and of course in our rewrite we added plaha because hello how did they not have plaha in that movie right next year it should be four hallmark men and a baby oh, that's right well and, and we did have that palaha was the father of that baby so you know yeah in our um, rewrite that's right that's right and, and he still could be because we don't know anything about the father that's true so let's do that next year hallmark Okay, so then we had a Christmas cookie catastrophe. I don't even remember this one. I do, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, oh yes, she was the the cookie like kid she from was the, the CEO commercial, of, and then she yeah. took over, and then they had to like steal. But we did have Victor, what's his name? Um, and we liked him in it. Yeah, he was fine, but nothing could save the script. No, it was bad. 
the script was bad. It was not fun. Very too stereotypical. Although I did like that sort of vintagey commercial they did at the front end of the of the movie. I thought that was kind of cute. So Sarah, I think what you're saying is you enjoyed the first ninety seconds of the movie. Yeah, I liked Victor Web- Victor Webster in this movie. I thought that he was pretty good. He was fine, and she wasn't terrible either. They're just nobody could save this script. It was no, it was the bad. script was doomed. Then we watched one that I thought was even. This was probably my least favorite, and I thought it had a lot of potential. Maybe not least favorite. There were some worse ones, but Undercover Holiday was like just too try hard. I think like it. It could have been good. Try to like incorporate some Latinx traditions and stuff, but it was just almost like the like McDonald's version of Hispanic traditions. I don't. I have know. no problem saying that I'm glad they're trying for more inclusive, trying for more inclusivity, and good for them for doing that. And it was still an awful movie. Not yeah. because of, uh, you know, it was still an awful movie in spite of their laudable attempts to be more inclusive. It just didn't save the movie. That's true. Mi gente, like all the time, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it it is, and we do, like this year we had a Kwanzaa movie, which we didn't watch. We had another Hanukkah movie, but like, and I think there was even like a bit of a Asian-y one that we didn't watch, but like to try and do what do more cultures do at Christmas, I think it's good, but this was, could have been done better. Get it, get it written by some Hispanic people, Hallmark, and then maybe you'll get it right. Well, maybe I don't know who wrote it. It, it that's true. It might have been the problem here was not the problem here was not that they didn't do the inclusivity right. I do not think they incorporated the more inclusive elements as naturally and seamlessly as they could have. But the problem with the movie was not that. The problem with that was that the problem with the movie was that there was no chemistry between the two main characters. The, yeah, that's right. It set up a mystery that wasn't a mystery at all. And there was nothing to hold my attention to the end. No. And like kind of reminded us, he was like the gayest of actors. So it was hard to even imagine him being in love with her. True. The writer of this has written a billion Hallmark movies. And her name is Nina Weinman. So no, I don't think she is Hispanic. I don't know, but maybe, maybe she just has a non-Hispanic married name looking at her. But there's no like. Oh, no, it says Nina Weinman Swift is her alternative name. So she didn't, she wasn't, Weinman is probably her maiden name. Yeah, so anyway, try, but keep trying, Hallmark. It's a good, good attempt, but write better. The next movie we watched actually was probably tied for me in terms of best movies. I think this was uh, the best of the season, easily, The Holiday Sitter. The Holiday Sitter. And this was written actually by Jonathan Bennett and a few others. But the, of course, our first real true gay Hallmark movie, and it was, it was really great. I felt really good watching it. I stayed up till the end, which I don't think happened for hardly any of them. I had to rewatch the end several times, <laughs> and I felt really happy watching it. Like it just was. It was. It had some tropey things that could be worked on. And it could be better, but I think what we liked most about it is that it was actually remained true to cheesy Hallmark, but in a gay love story where they actually felt like they were a nice couple that should be together. Well, and I think that this movie succeeded where Undercover Holiday failed. And so Undercover Holiday tried to be more inclusive than is typical of Hallmark, but they still just wrote a bad script and the inclusivity couldn't make up for that. Whereas in The Holiday Sitter, they used the Hallmark tropes, but they basically made the movie that Hallmark movies should be 
which is we've got a cheesy Hallmark plot and it might be a bit predictable and formulaic, but the jokes were actually funny for the most part. There were a few that were a bit cringe. The chemistry was real. You actually, and like you said, Sarah, you felt good watching the movie. Mm. So, I mean, if we take the Hallmark formula and just make it like a standard romantic comedy with a decent writer, this is what a Hallmark movie ends up looking like. Well, and I think what they did do right here is they got Jonathan Bennett to do it. So mm-hmm. get like a regular Hispanic actress or actor from your regular movies to write about what they know about well, their hold culture. On. Not all actors are going to be good writers. Well, that's very true. But, so I, know, I don't like, think it's that simple, but yeah. But that but that, that worked because he gets the Hallmark concept, but he also <laughs> understands what he wants to bring to the film, culturally speaking, for himself. So, you know, I think that actually really did work. But you're right. Not everyone is a writer. Yeah, I think Jonathan Bennett was sort of a magical combination of talents for this movie in that we have an actor who has done these Hallmark movies before, knows the deal, knows the formula, actually has a sense of humor and writing ability and knows what they need to do to make them more inclusive. And so that's just, I think, a great combination that came together kind of serendipitously for this movie. And I think it would probably be hard to find another... Uh, right a lot of people with that particular combination of talents and experience uh not impossible and maybe they should try harder next year <laughs> that's right well you know it was really good i hope jonathan ben keeps writing for them because i would definitely watch another one of his movies it was really fun and i liked it well i hope this one has a sequel as we were discussing oh yeah it definitely needs a sequel and i i think that it was i mean i just saw I think Vogue wrote up like the top 20 movies of the year and it was in the list. So I think... I'm sorry, top 20 movies of the year? Christmas movies, of course. Oh, okay. Anyway, a Lights, Camera, Christmas is on this list. No, we would disagree. I would disagree vehemently with that one. Yeah, The Holiday Sitter is on this list. So it was like the best holiday movies that released in 2022. The Holiday Sitter was on it. Three Wise Men and a Baby is on it. Lights, Camera, Christmas, Holiday Spectacular, which we did not watch, which was the yeah. Rockettes one. Yeah. But also, like I said, Lights, Camera, Christmas made it. There's a few on here that I did not see. So I don't know. I might have to check that out. Check out a few. Menorah in the Middle. We didn't. I don't know what that one. That brings us to the last movie, which I only saw kind of in passing and wasn't able to be on the podcast. But that was the Hanukkah on Rye, which was essentially You've Got Mail for Jewish delis, right? Yeah. And I think, I I know that you really liked Three Wise Men and a Baby. I thought it suffered for not bringing anything original to the movie that it was paying homage to. Whereas Hanukkah on Rye, I think, managed to do what Three Wise Men and a Baby and undercover holiday did not do which was did a an homage to a 90s movie it was 90s right you've got yeah me. uh 90s yeah 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 which by the way was also an homage we talked about this in the episode that was in itself an homage to a bunch of earlier movies so it managed to uh, you know be a very clear reference to another movie but still be kind of tongue-in-cheek about it and put its own spin on it 
and I think that where this movie succeeded was when it was most over the top. And we talked about this a bit in the episode that there were moments in this movie that were very cringe and did not work. But there were also moments in this movie that worked because they just didn't care how cringe they were and just went over the top. Just and right did with it. It. Yeah, just just, right with it. yeah, exactly. And so I think that there is something to be learned from this movie for Hallmark in general. And that is that kind of running with their own ridiculousness is something Hallmark could do more of. That's um, very true. It's very true. In a, in a self-aware way, which I think this movie did. And so, you know, if you heard the episode the or watched key. the movie, yeah, you know, we're talking about the Battle of the Bubbies at the end, which was a ridiculous plot point, but it worked. And it worked because it was ridiculous. And it was one of those moments where you know both the characters and the audience seem aware that this is not you know a believable scenario but we don't really care right um and it's fine and so we were you know we were entertained by that and so I thought that was a nice way to do you know an homage to an existing movie without making it boring basically right 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 well that's good that's good well that kind of wraps up at least what we watched i did want to talk about a few other ones that i thought were worth mentioning that mm-hmm. i did see let's see i watched this one that was actually on lifetime called the 12 days of christmas eve and it had kelsey Grammer in it and i watched it with my parents i think i liked it better than they did but it's kind of like scrooge meets groundhog day and he okay. has to sort of like and there is one like this it's called the 12 dates of christmas that has zach from say by the bell in it and it's about a girl who like has to get to know zach and dates him over and over and over again several times and it's a similar thing he's a scroogey guy kelsey Grammer, and he has to like learn the true meaning of christmas over and over and over again until he gets it right and it was kind of fun i liked that and then there was one that netflix made well, I think they didn't make it. They bought it, a British one called Father Christmas Returns. And that was last year. And they made a sequel to that that also has Kelsey Grammer in it. And it was called Christmas in Paradise. And it was awful, really <laughs> bad. And it was on. But in fact, it was so bad that Netflix didn't even buy it. And so it was on Amazon. And I was kind of excited about it because I really liked the first one. And this one was just really bad, really, really bad. There was also one I wanted to watch on Lifetime because I heard about it on NPR. It had like a really interesting story about the writer and he was like a football player or something and then had taken a screenwriting class in college and like tried to get his screenwriting career off the ground. And it was called Single and Ready to Mingle. And it was so bad. Was it Single and Ready to Jingle? Hang on. I thought it was Mingle, but let me check. Why even write that title when Jingle is right there? I know. Um, and I think we probably wrote one called that. Oh, it is single and ready to jingle. You are correct. I was going to say, if it wasn't that, then whoever left jingle sitting on the table made it was, a big mistake. It was really bad. I was really disappointed. But I liked that this guy had this good story. But then after it, they had another movie on that I happened to just keep on because I was doing something else called The Holiday Dating Guide, which is about a dating coach at Christmas time. And it was even more shit than the last one. Like Lifetime, I don't know if they've like given up on making good ones or maybe they don't have budget and they just make shitty ones. I barely watch them. Although Bettina did tell me that the one they did with Mario Lopez was really good. I don't even know what one that was, but apparently that was good. 
There was a couple on Netflix that I watched, one called The Noel Diary that has the guy from This Is Us on it. And he sort of goes back to his mother's house, who he is kind of estranged from because she's like a hoarder and he's a famous writer. And then this woman turns up and she's like, I think this was my mother's house. And I remember thinking, how is that going to work? Because surely they have to fall in love. But his mother and her mother are the same. So that's not going to work. But she actually said, my mother was your nanny. And then they like go on a bit of like a trek to find everyone and blah, blah, blah. And it was pretty good. I liked that. There, there was a was... moment, I should say, at the end of Hanukkah and Rye, where they discover that their respective great-grandmothers were BFFs. And there was a moment while that was being explained where I was like, oh, no, please don't let their great-grandmothers be the same person. They're the same they person. Were... Luckily, they were, they were not. They, they were just best friends. Just I, best but friends. I definitely had a moment of like, oh, no, please don't do this. But yeah. <laughs> No, that could never happen. But they also had on Netflix one that they plugged mega, 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 which had Lindsay Lohan in it called Falling for Christmas. And it was really bad. She like was getting engaged at a ski resort with her crazy boyfriend and she fell down and hurt her head and she had amnesia. And then someone in the town found her and she like, you know, falls in love with the guy with the flannel shirt not her rich boyfriend or whatever but it was really bad Lindsay lohan was not good in it i think she sings a couple christmas songs in it too if i'm not mistaken which was like even more cringy but it was bad it was bad i did watch a few of the other i did watch spirited which i really liked which was with ryan reynolds and will ferrell and it's a musical with the guys that did like uh, la la land and greatest showman and and it was fun. But then I talked to some other like theater friends of mine and they were like, it was way Dear Evan Hansen. It's called, yes, the guys that did Dear Evan Hansen, Greatest Showman and La La Land. I really liked it. Lots of big dance numbers and great costumes and sets and stuff. And my theater friends were like, there was way too much music in it. And I was surprised by that. And then, of course, a lot of people watched the new version of A Christmas Story, which was pretty fun, but I don't know if it was necessary or not. It was okay. And then I watched, and Mary, we were going to talk about this, and then it turned out to be a TV series, so we thought it would be too hard to do. Um, Netflix had an Italian TV series called I Hate Christmas. And I quite liked this. I did watch it in the end. But then as I was watching it, I was like, I've seen this already. And I actually had. So it was like a Norwegian thing that Netflix actually had on a couple seasons of called Home for Christmas. And it's about a girl and they do the same thing in the Italian version whose family is like full of, you know, husbands and wives and children. And she's still a single one. And it's kind of like her quest to find a boyfriend before Christmas. And and it's 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 cute. It's I thought it was worth watching and they they overdub it. But I'm sure you could watch it in Italian, Mary, if you wanted to. So I would recommend that as well. I also noticed, I thought it was worth mentioning, and I don't know, I might do an episode with this for Mary. There is a sequel to the Wedding Veil series that's coming out in in January, I believe. The Wedding Veil? So did we, maybe I watched these with Bettina. The Wedding Veil was three movies that star, they star Lacey Chabert, uh, Allison Sweeney and Autumn Reeser. And they are about how they're three friends and they find this antique lace veil and it has some like story that like if you wear it or have it in your house, you'll meet the love of your life and you'll get married. And so all it happens to all three of them and they were three different three different movies about each of their like using the veil and getting married and whatever. 
and then they're making a sequel this January. They have a new series of them that's coming out in January, which I think is like they're all going to have a baby, from what I can tell. Okay. Oh, so that's okay. So maybe these are them. The Wedding Veil Legacy, Wedding Veil Unveiled. That says 2022, but the Wedding Veil, but but it probably was 2022. We need the one that's 2023. I swear, they're flogging it like nobody's business. Oh, and I also kind of want to watch this one, which sounds kind of dumb, but it's called The Dog Lover's Guide to Dating. And I thought that might be fun to watch. It's on New Year's Day. Just because, you know, I got a new dog. All right. Yeah. The Wedding Veil Expectations. This is the, so I don't know if it's one movie or if it's going to be three movies. I'm sh- Oh, the trilogy continues. So the Wedding Veil Marathon is on Saturday, January 7th. And you can watch all of them. And then I guess that night they'll have the expectations movie on, which I'm betting is they all are like having babies. But let's let's see what it says. Avery and Peter try to keep their romance live while renovating an old house and juggling work. But everything takes on a new perspective when Avery has a surprise for Peter. So I guess she's pregnant. But I don't know if there's going to be more Wedding Veil movies or not. But... It was, they were kind of fun, I have to admit. They they weren't, we know that the ones that are outside of, and I think they try now in January to make some pretty good ones to get people to keep watching the rest of the year. But mm-hmm. as we know, they're just not as good and they don't have the budget and as the Christmas one. So it won't be amazing, but I'll probably tune into that one. They don't have the budget of the Christmas ones. And we already know that the Christmas ones don't have much of a budget. Exactly. And I bet that Patino would probably not mind doing a podcast about it. So we might release an episode about the the extra wedding veils. Although I do feel like I have to watch the other ones again because I didn't watch them all. And I, th- I think we were going to do a podcast about it. And I don't think we even ended up doing it. because I Yeah, I've never heard of these wedding veil things. Yeah, I think me and Bettina were going to do it, and then we just didn't get around to it. But So I'd have to watch them all again. But I did watch them, for sure. So what do you think is in store for next year? What would you like to see, Mary? Well, I think that this year we saw some deviation from the standard hallmark formula and we certainly still saw sorry we certainly still saw some movies that kept to that formula but we also saw deviation from it in some pretty significant ways not only in terms of increased inclusivity but also in terms of different plot lines notably in three wise men and a baby Mm -hmm. so And I think those ones where we thought that they were deviating from the formula were where we found them to be most successful for the most part. So Holiday Sitter, we said there are some key ways in which it stuck to the Hallmark script, but there was also a really significant way in which it didn't, obviously. And that was, I think we agreed, our favorite of the season, though you said it was tied for you. Three Wise Men and Baby was your other favorite, and that was something that threw out the Hallmark script and wrote a new one while keeping a lot of the same themes and elements that we're familiar with from Hallmark movies. And Hanukkah on Rye, I thought, was not awful. And one of the ways that it was successful was by not doing what Hallmark usually does with its Hallmark movies. Sorry, by not doing what Hallmark usually does with its Hanukkah movies, 
which is essentially making them Christmas movies with a little bit of Hanukkah in them. Like, you know, right, in right, previous right, right. years we've seen just the similar traditions of Christmas, but not. Yeah. Well, yeah. And in previous years, we've seen them be characters who actually celebrate Christmas, but then, you know, take a DNA test and find out they're part Jewish or something like that. And so. Oh, yeah, we did have that. And this year it was focused on Hanukkah. Christmas was only mentioned in terms of the Jewish tradition of Chinese food in a movie on Christmas. Right. And additionally, significantly, the whole thing not only took place in New York City on the Lower East Side, but was very focused on New York City as setting the tone and as a place where this particular story could unfold. And that's really unusual for Hallmark because Hallmark's obsessed with, you know, people leaving their big city jobs for their idyllic small towns. And so that one too, I thought departed from the Hallmark script in some really significant ways. So I guess what I'm getting at is I hope to see more of that in 2023. I hope to see more movies that do something a little bit different. Not that we can never enjoy a movie about someone you know coming home to their small town christmas and cuteness and or hilarity ensuing that could still be fun every now and then in certain ways but i also like that we're seeing a little bit more variety in key ways very slowly but surely right yeah i i think that you know i always joke that maybe they're listening to us but uh but maybe they're listening the, to us getting the picture <laughs> but i i think trying to figure out how I I do like that they have taken this stance that they're not going to be gack and I think that it's important to me that they're not going to be this crazy conservative assholes it's not I also that it's super point liberal out. but you know like they have they are being more inclusive and they're trying and I think they deserve a little bit of like go hallmark for that for sure. I also want to point out that a lot of the conversation around this season has centered around the opposition to GAC because they are doing these more inclusive movies and because they lost CCB to GAC this year. They lost a bunch of other stars to GAC last year, but that's been a really key part of the conversation this year. However, it bears mentioning that GAC's ratings are in the toilet. Like, if you Google it, nobody's watching GAC. Well, and even Bettina, who, my friend who is pretty conservative herself and is trying to watch them all, said there was not a single GAC movie that was good. So... We've been kind of all season talking up this GAC Hallmark dichotomy, but it might not be a real dichotomy. GAC is trying to do what Hallmark does, clearly failing at it and just getting some press because they're trying to make noise about it. But Hallmark is still the reigning monarch of Christmas movies. Right. And I think, yay. I have to admit, I just looked up this casting call for the Biltmore movie with Palaha. It is like quite an extensive application. What 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 are you doing that's more important than this? Sarah? I know, right? <laughs> um, it does say we need all ages, ethnicities, and gender identities, which is quite a description for Hallmark, I would say. Okay. Two unedited photos, a shoulder one and a full length one. And if you if you wear glasses normally, please do so in your photos. Do not wear hats or sunglasses. Please be aware that some days as a background performer, we will film all day on set. Some days are long and other days you may be waiting the majority of the day to begin filming. As long as you are prepared with the right attitude, you will have fun. More importantly, each and every one of you is an important valued part of filmmaking. We appreciate you and excited for you to be a part of this project. If you are ready for the opportunity to work as an extra on upcoming TV Christmas movie, then fill out the talent form below. And then... 
Do you have any special abilities? What's your vaccination status? What kind of car do you have? Please note if you own a vintage era car. Ooh, 1940s. It must take place in the 40s. Little, little, little key, I would say. That would be fun if it takes place a long time ago. And when I actually did go, of course, to Biltmore this year for Christmas, and they talked about how there's a room in the house that was like kind of never really finished. There's quite a, a couple rooms that they finished later. And one of them, which I didn't know, housed, they took all the artwork from the Smithsonian and they put it in this room during World War II in case someone came to steal it. And, and I don't know if it was like a particular Smithsonian or whatever, but like, I love that story. I would love that if that was incorporated in the script. That maybe they're there to protect the art at Christmas time during the war or something like that. So, first of all, I don't actually know what the Biltmore is. So, and I suspect some of our listeners don't either. So, I would like you to tell us a bit more about that. And then I suggest that we do two things to finish this episode. Number one, I suggest that we guess what this movie will be about because we're definitely watching it next year. And number two, I suggest that we pitch to Hallmark a broad outline of the movie they should make about you as an extra in the Biltmore movie, Falling in Love. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the Biltmore is in Asheville, North Carolina, and it was built probably in the late 19th century, I would say, by one of the Vanderbilt sons. He did it kind of on his own for a long time. He, I don't think, I think he was married by the time he moved there. He was kind of like a bachelor for a long time. And I would suspect that he was probably gay and just got married because he was supposed to. And he had one daughter who was born there and actually got married there. It's, it's the largest private home in the country. There are bigger homes in this country, but they are not owned by the families anymore like they're not still a private home you can tour it it's open all season long you can get married but somebody there. still lives there yes someone still lives there they live yeah. upstairs it's enormous they had 75 christmas trees on display at the house when we were there and it has like there's two hotels there now they have like a big they have a winery they have a whole bunch of restaurants like it's like a whole thing and and they have a little village near the house that's got all these like old-timey shops and you know restaurants and whatever and it's quite the little spectacle that has really big gardens that are I, I went there once in like the fall in October and like watched all the, the colors be different and then this time at Christmas it was more expensive to go to Christmas at Biltmore than it is to go to Disney World which I thought was pretty crazy <laughs> but but we really wanted to see it so we went so that is Biltmore and then they're doing they announced that the first movie they're going to produce is this movie with Palaha and it's probably called like a Biltmore Christmas or something like that and they're going to film it at Biltmore so I think that will be very exciting and yeah maybe if I get to be an extra my I will live happily ever after maybe you will so yes oh. if it takes place in the 40s is it going to be like about the Vanderbilt somehow? Well, I mean, the it would be interesting. So I think this is cool that the that the Billmore's doing it. They they probably are just can leave up their Christmas decorations because they're filming it in like the end of January, the mm -hmm. casting call thing says. So the the family actually I think they opened up the home for tours because it was costing so much to run the house. And they did it probably after the war. 
and it was the daughter who was born there and her husband who was actually some kind of like lord from the uk but he moved over and they lived there for most of their lives and i think they had a couple of kids there too so but it's still owned by the family and like anderson cooper he of course from cnn his mother was gloria vanderbilt and mm -hmm. he talks a lot about his life as a vanderbilt but she kind of like walked away from the family a bit and did like her jeans thing and whatever. So, I mean, if you dig deep into the story, it's actually pretty interesting. And, you know, they were railroad guys. And so he built the railroad down to there and built the house. I mean, a long, it's a giant house that they built so long ago. I think she, the daughter who I think her name is Cornelia, she lived there well into the forties and fifties. And I think she didn't die till, I don't know, sometime later. I'd have to look that up, but, um, but it could be about her being there. And, and they have like sort of very British style. Like they looked after all the people in the town, you know, essentially back then you were in that town because you were worked for the family. And so they would have like a big Christmas for all the kids and stuff. And, you know, like, I think that that could be kind of interesting to see, sort of like very Downton Abbey but American style Christmas where they like look after all the town people. Okay so where I'm going with this in my head is I don't really want to watch a movie about the Vanderbilts however what if Palaha is the butler? Ooh that and could be fun. He is falling in love with I don't know who's the butler falling in love with? I don't know some kind of like well just maybe he falls in love with one of the Vanderbilts and that's like maybe discouraged because he's the butler yeah that's true though if it's actually like one of the vanderbilts then won't they run into issues of like historical oh, well that's know. true maybe it's like a cousin or something that comes to visit but someone that's rich a socialite for yes, sure a socialite friend of theirs or something and they're gonna have this like crazy love affair but so then this is 40s are we talking wartime or post-war i think I, I really want this art thing in there. So to me, it's got to be during the war, but maybe like just at the end and a part of the, I don't know, the part of the movie could be like, hey, the war is going to be done. I, I hope that it's post-war only because I frankly don't trust Hallmark to do a war movie well. Oh, they have. Yeah, they're not that great at it, but maybe it's just ended. But yeah, I mean, so 45. So maybe maybe the part of the art part can be them getting the art back to the Smithsonian as well. This could be 45. This could be 1945. And it's and... only a few months of the war being done and everyone's Right. The war's been ecstatic. over since September. Everybody's happy. Everybody's ready for the post-war economic boom that's going to happen. And Palaha is the newly assumed butler because he's a veteran. He was previously liberating France or something. I don't know. And yes because why not yes. and so now he is the butler at the Biltmore and he is falling in love with this wealthy socialite from Manhattan who is visiting for the holidays yes yes and I like it yeah Hallmark I think that will be happen. great and, and what's my role so you will play the housekeeper Oh, who, that's a main role. Who is, if you will, so in the, in Dante's Vita Nuova, he talks about a screen woman who everybody thinks he's into, but really he's into Beatrice and it might've been his wife, but whatever. 
And so you can be the screen woman who everybody thinks Palaha is into, but actually he's into this socialite, but you're okay with that because actually you- I'm happy to be the cover or something. Uh, yeah, because actually you're with somebody else, but like nobody knows that or- Okay. All right. That's good. That'd be fun. I'm excited to be cast in this movie. When <laughs> do I, I got to see, when do I need to be available? For two weeks in January, 2023. No, so I actually- can't. I kind of like the idea of you getting to wear a real cool period costume and not being the housekeeper. So maybe you could be the socialite's like sister or something. Oh, that's true. Or maybe I would just be like the socialite's, you know, like what maid or whatever. Yeah, sure. Assuming they've already cast like the big characters. So you can yeah. be the socialite. Like her dresser or something. Yeah, dresser. Her dresser. Does the person who is her dresser get to wear cool clothes? Because I want you to get to wear cool well, clothes. Probably not. They probably just wear like boring maid costume. You're probably right. Well, then let's have you just be like a party goer or something. That's true. I'm just sitting there drinking champagne the entire time. Yeah. Okay. Best role ever. That now let's write the far more important movie, which is the movie that's going to be based on your experience being an extra in this movie. So being extra. In the movie that we're writing, based on your experience as an extra in a Biltmore Christmas, it's going to be called A Gatsby Christmas. Ooh, Gatsby is going to have a main role. Gatsby, for those of you who don't know, being Sarah's dog. That's right. He's my dog. And so what happens is you bring Gatsby to the set one day, and you bring him to the set because something comes up and you have to. Like you were taking him to doggy daycare or something, and... They were closed. You didn't have time to go home and you just brought him. Yeah. And everybody falls in love with him and he ends up being cast in the movie. Right. I love it. He ends up being cast as, you know, the love interest dog or something like that. And so you are now hired as the, I'm sure that there is a name for this type of role on a film set, but the person who is in charge of the animals on the film set. Oh, yes. I'm sure there is a name for that, too. I don't know what it would be, but yes. In the course of it, it'll be very much like in Lights, Camera, Christmas, where she was like, oh, no, I'm not qualified to do this. But they're like, oh, yeah, you are. Yeah, it'll be like that, except that you will actually pretend that you're more qualified than you are to do this. Really, you're just Gatsby's owner, and that's all it comes down to. That's all that I am. Yeah. And so in the course of this, though, one day Gatsby will pee on the leading man's costume. Yes. And Palahas? you will be yes, Palahas. And you will be in this movie, mind you, unlike in real life, Palaha will be single and unmarried and childless. And <laughs> but in this movie he'll also be played by Christopher Palaha because obviously. Yeah, so, yes. And you will be apologizing profusely and he'll be like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, dog's going to dog, you know, whatever. And I love will... dogs. I love dogs. Yeah, because obviously he loves dogs like any good rom-com hero. And yes. you'll offer to, you know, get it dry cleaned or replaced or something like that. And he's like, oh, no, it's cool. We literally have a person whose job is to do the costumes. And like, and, you know, they actually have a backup. Or, I don't know, something like and anyways, in the course of this awkward thing with Gatsby peeing on his costume, you yeah. will fall in love and hilarity will ensue. Of course. Oh, that's great. Thank you for that lovely synopsis of what happens when I am enlisted in 
a bit more Christmas as an extra. It's great. It's perfect. All right. Yeah. I like there's that. one thing that we do know will happen. They will. Fall in love. Yes, as per usual. Well, that wraps up another season of Hallmarked Up. I did just hear from Bettina. She wants to talk about the Wedding Veil movie. So we are going to do an episode of that. Obviously, I might not be joining you for that don't one. Don't worry, Mary. That's I'd, totally I'd have some fine. catching up to do. <laughs> well, and there are going to be, she tells me, three new movies in the series. So this will make a total of six movies, which that's like 12 hours of Christmas or non-Christmas Hallmark that you'd have to pay attention to to be able to understand what's going on. So it's going to be hard, but they're they're doing the first three and the first of the new series all on Saturday the 7th. So I'm going to try and catch up and see how I go if I don't fall asleep or poke my eyes out from boredom. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> but we'll try and um, and we'll see. I, I don't think I can be an extra, unfortunately, in the Billboard movie because what they're requiring you to do to be there. But it sounds like a really good time for those of you in the Asheville area. And I am a big fan of Asheville. So check it out. If you want to be cast. Thank you for listening to Hallmarked Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at Hallmarked Up, and on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.